Hey, it's the Scarlet Nation podcast signing day special. Today, my guest is our very own Sean Brown, recruiting guru that he is. Sean, people have asked for this one. They're dying to know what you think about this recruiting class. So we put a just a thread on the premium board and we asked everyone to toss some questions at you. Before we get started, though, uh, there's something I want to announce that we have brought back the texts. For those of you who have been on Scarlet Nation in the past, one of the most popular features was the ability to receive a text whenever news breaks. And that was a feature that we offered a few years ago. Um, It went away uh, for various reasons, um, but it's back now. We just launched it again today. If you go on the scarletnation.com message board, it'll explain how you can sign up. It's open right now to anyone, whether you're a premium member or not. Eventually, it will be for our premium members, but we'd love for you to get a taste of what we offer. So please go on the scarletnation.com message boards and look for the thread. Uh, All you have to do is text directly to a specific number. And I am looking for that number right now. All right. So the first thing, if you want to get Rutgers football texts, you have to text the number 9425, actually to the number 94253. And the word you're texting is RU football. So instead of a phone number, you're going to write 94253, and then the word you're going to text to it is RU football. And if you're interested in basketball, text RU basketball to 94253. Um, if you didn't get that right now, just go to scarletnation.com's message boards. It's on all of them right now. Anyway, Sean, I just want to yes. – <laughs> sorry for the long introduction there, but um, I want to get to you and the questions the first question that we have on here, um, someone asked and is R-U-J-M-M-7-8, why is it so difficult for Rutgers to recruit defensive tackles? It seems like every year we're asking, where are the defensive tackles? Why is Rutgers struggling in that regard? What do you think? You know, it, it's interesting, you know, when, when obviously uh, Shane Burnham, who just departed for, for UCF, a, a lot of people point to the fact that although he was considered, you know, to be a, a pretty good coach and the defensive line played well last year from on the recruiting perspective, uh, spe- uh, specifically in this region in New York, New Jersey, it maybe he just didn't have, you know, the just the, the proper approach uh, with recruits. And, you know, it was, was kind of evident in this year's class, there were a, a lot of really good defensive linemen, uh, guys that could have transitioned to defensive tackles uh, in this area that Rutgers was doing pretty well with early on, but they were not able to close a lot of those guys. Um, so, you know, not sure if it was the, the approach and the combination that, that Rutgers brought to sell uh, to those guys. And obviously, you know, compared to some other schools, uh, you have a lot of national guys that come to the region um, Rutgers doesn't have that history of producing top tier defensive linemen. Um, I don't know if if schools are using the fact that you know Darius Hamilton was a five star guy that came and he didn't really produce at a five star level. You know, uh, so that may be something that working against Rutgers as well uh, when it comes to recruiting defensive tackles. You know, and you look at the previous regime and flooding those guys. They they tried to adopt that Chiano mantra uh, of small, fast guys, and it didn't really work in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, so I know recruits saw that and they're like, oh, I had to cut this much weight to play defensive tackle at Rutgers. Uh, so that was another thing that was an issue in that in that regime. Um, so maybe with the new defensive line coach Corey Brown uh, bringing a different approach in the area, he could be more successful recruiting defensive tackles in the class of 2019. One question comes up from. I got, don't even know how you say his name, S-P-E-C-L-K-19. Who from this 2018 class could find themselves on the two deep by midseason? 
Uh, I think a, a easy position to look at would be um, running back for sure. Obviously, a lot of losses uh, in this class at that uh, in, the, in this graduating class in that position. So Isaiah Pacheco, who's coming in early and rolling early, he's going to have a real chance to to prove himself and, and get on the field early at that position. Um, running back, a receiver. You know, I, I really like Eddie Lewis, who uh, you know was part of class of 2017 at the prep at Milford Academy. He has a chance to come in uh, and definitely get on the, on the two deep. Yeah, another guy, you know, receiver position, but he could be a hybrid uh, tight end. Uh, Davon Robinson from, from Shawnee in South Jersey. You know, he was a committed NC state, but Rutgers was able to flip him down the line. He has that, that big body type and they don't have a lot of bigger receivers. Um, Right now on the roster, that's saw a lot of playing time. So there's a niche for him and, and possibly Jalen Jordan, the early enrollee from IMG. And you're, I, you're focusing on some of the positions of need, which is great. If you take that factor away, is there a player who you think is, you know, heads above everyone else, regardless of position, regardless of need? I mean, you know, the, the guys that I, I really like in this class, uh, besides the guys I mentioned, obviously, uh, Arsikowski is one. Um, and the quarterback, that's that's another one if you want to talk about it. it's There's obviously not uh, a definite starter coming to the season. So Art will will get a shot in Jalen Chapman uh, this spring and in the summer to compete. It, it, it's always tough for a true freshman to to be the man at that position. But you, you do see it happen in college football. And, you know, Art. You know, he he has all the tools. If if McNulty is able to get the light turned on for him quickly, he he may be the guy uh, at, at quarterback. So definitely I, I look at Art Sikowski as a possibility. We'll see. There are a few questions talking about just recruiting territories, and that's a hot topic on the ScarletNation.com message board because anytime you bring it up, should Rutgers recruit the state of New Jersey more? Should they branch out and just get the best players they can from across the country? So MC Babs, he asked, do you think the staff focuses on any focuses on any new states or areas with the changes in staff this year? You know, I, I think a lot of it will depend on, you know, some of the relationships that the newer coaches are bringing in. Obviously, Corey Brown, when he was at uh, Miami of Ohio, uh, he's a Texas native, I believe, from Houston. So he may have some ties down there. I haven't really got a chance to look at their recruiting classes and, and see where he recruited. But just hypothetically, he he may have some ties down there. And, and Rutgers is already recruiting in the Midwest. They have, you know, uh, Lester Herb is, is in Iowa. Uh, Blazik and, and Oak Crew are, are, in Ohio, um, are in Ohio. So they already have a lot of those Midwestern states covered. And they're already out there, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, um, John McNulty spent a lot of time in California um, when he was working with the Chargers, and one of his earliest QB offers to go out was in the state of California. So Rutgers may continue that trend of uh, recruiting out in the Golden State as well. Uh, he also, same gentleman, asks, "How do you feel the relationship is down in South Jersey as of late?" You know, I, I think it's good. You know, there was a lot of uh, he said, she said over the the, the situation with Trayvon King, uh, who decommitted uh, from Rutgers, ended up signing with Temple today. You know, but it, it seems to be pretty well received. I think Rutgers has good relationships with a, the, a lot of the top players down there, uh, the players in terms of actual athletes, but also the important people you need to know in that region. I know the one of the uh, gentlemen in the player personnel department, Dan Spittle, former head coach at Eastern down there, is, you know, pretty well-respected guy down there. Uh, Rutgers has recruited Timber Creek well and Cedar Creek. Those are two of the most talent-producing schools in the area. And then you got a guy, a former Rutgers uh, player, now with St. Joe's at Hamilton, uh, Kawan Lewis, He's an assistant coach down uh, at St. Joseph Hammond's alma mater. So that's another guy down there that's you know kind of waving the Rutgers flag and, and, and helping to spread the word of the, of the program down there. So it, it's it it can always be better, but it, it's not bad down there at all. Where would you say the sweet spot for Rutgers recruiting is right now? If that you were to draw, you know, perhaps a twenty mile radius in one area, where would you put that? 
are we are we talking New Jersey or just in the in the tri-state area? Yeah, let's go anywhere. I mean, obviously, if, if if we if we go anywhere, then I, I have to say New York City. They've um, you know, it's something that's continued over from previous staffs where Rutgers is making it a point to get out to the city early, uh, make that area priority, and essentially it, it's considered part of in-state for Rutgers. And you see with this class with Zaire Lacewell, Matt Thomas, uh, the two guys from Erasmus Hall, uh, and then even in the previous classes, they they make it a point to get out to New York City early, prioritize those kids, uh, get them on campus early, offer them early, and, and give the coaches in New York City the same type of support that they're giving the coaches in New Jersey. Clear Screen 25 asks you, do you think the last two classes accurately reflect the talent we have brought in, either too high or too low? I mean, I know, you know, because he he had asked. Uh, there was another thread on the board today. Uh, a lot of talk about uh, Raekwon O'Neal's ranking. Um, you know, it, it's. I mean, there's certain guys that you know we feel could probably get a bump in ranking. Isaiah Pachenko is one of those guys. Uh, Zaire Lacewell, the linebacker receiver commit. Uh, Raekwon O'Neal's another guy like that. Um, you know, but for the most part, I think it's it's accurately reflecting um, the rankings. You know, so it's not like. Everyone that's a three-star in the class should be a four-star. For the most part, with the exception of the guys that we've mentioned we think should have higher ratings, I think they are um, rated properly, in my opinion. How much of a bump do you think, and this is questions just coming from me, how much of a bump do you think that Rutgers needs to get in recruiting in order to be, you know, take things to the next level in the Big Ten? Are we talking five more places up, 10 places up, or do they have to really, you know, jump into the top 20? Well, I guess it depends on on where you're trying to compete. You obviously Rutgers is in the Big Ten East, which is the more competitive half of the conference. And when you have Penn State recruiting at a top ten, top five level, Ohio State at that same level, Michigan uh, recruiting extremely well. Although they only signed, uh, I think, one top one hundred guy this year, and and Michigan State, although they don't recruit at that same level, but they're producing uh, talented guys. Uh, Rutgers, I think, was around fifty uh, at last check. They're, they're definitely at the in Maryland. Maryland is, I think, they're in close to the top twenty five again um, for the consecutive year under DJ Durkin. So, uh, you know, Rutgers is going to have to bump up, maybe you know. 10 to 15 spots uh, along with some good coaching to to be more competitive on a consistent basis in the conference, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a little frustrating because I thought that Rutgers could get that big bump just moving to the Big Ten. Seems like perhaps towards the end of the Shiano era, things were trending a little better. You know, it, it's funny. I almost see it as one of those things where, you know, I could see some people having the opinion of maybe it, it works against Rutgers because now – since they are in the Big Ten Conference, it, it invites all these other schools that are in the conference to spend more time in New Jersey. Uh, granted, um, all these schools are already recruiting New Jersey in the past, but now there's a greater incentive for them to say, hey, you're going to play in New Jersey, um, you know, two times throughout your career or you'll, you'll play in New Jersey, you know, through interconference games X amount of times and you'll play in Pennsylvania and Ohio and things of that nature. So that's another selling point for those schools versus in, in previous years, the big 10 was the big 10, but you know, Ohio State couldn't say, hey, we're, we're going to play in New Jersey X amount of time. So that was, you know, one demerit against them, although it, it's still Ohio State. So in in that sense, the the Big Ten and, and Rutgers being in the conference is a benefit for those schools. It's another selling point. Also, when you add in the money difference, so Rutgers has to buy their way into the Big Ten over the next few years. And so they're really playing with one arm tied behind their back when you have these more established programs who have bigger war chests of money to go to battle with. And then Rutgers is... You know, obviously the new kid on the block, not as well funded, doesn't have the same history, trying to go against, like you said, all these Big Ten teams that are coming in and trying to recruit the top talent. 
Definitely. Well, we have a next question is over here from Green Wave Knight. He says, who are the top 2019 New Jersey recruits that Rutgers has the best shot with? With the recent hire of uh, Nunzio Campanile as the running back coach at Rutgers, I think that that puts Rutgers right. Well, Rutgers is already doing pretty well with um, Burton Catholic running back Raymond Johnson, who is just he may be the fastest kid in the state in all grades. Um, just a, a burner. Um, he already have Rutgers in one of his top schools. He's a New York City native. He knows a lot of New York City kids on the team. Uh, so adding his former head coach is, is only going to help Rutgers in that regard. Uh, it'll also help him with his teammate, Josh McKenzie, another running back in Burton Catholic, who, you know, I, I've spoken to Josh in the past and he had mentioned he was kind of leaning towards like the smaller private school um, type of environment, but adding Nunzio will definitely open his eyes a bit more to the school. Uh, and then even their former teammate, possibly Antonio Alfano, who's at Rollway now is another guy, you know, he was coached by uh, coach Nunzio. So he's, he's definitely going to be uh, interested in Rutgers um, even more because of that. Um, you know, looking down the list and some of the top guys, I know that RJ Oben at St. Peter's prep, uh, his father, former NFL uh, offensive lineman, Roman Oben likes the program. They've been around a lot. He's like, he's one he's heard from Rutgers thus far. Um, and then, one of the top risers in the state ranking wise seems like he gets a new offer every day is a uh, Brian Ugwa from Hillside, uh public school guy. This is only his second year playing football. He plays a uh, running back and, and linebacker for Hillside. And he, his recruitment has just been blowing up uh, in the past couple of weeks. You know, he's a guy that Rutgers was on very early. They had him in camp years before anyone knew about him at all. Uh, so they have that relationship with him um, and they've, Rutgers tend to do well with the small school public guys in the state. Uh, so that's a selling point uh, that they can use, you know, as they try to pitch the school to him uh, in the next couple of months or so. Red Spartan, he has a question. This is another one we talk about all the time on the message board. I guess we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but um, he says, do you think the New Jersey ties thing is overblown? That is, if you can recruit, you can recruit and it doesn't matter where you're from. Whereas New Jersey and its culture, football and otherwise unique. And we really need someone such as Camp, who's coming over from Bergen Catholic who has an insight into it and can connect with the coaches, players, and families on their level. You know, that's when coach came here and brought some of his, you know, the player, the coaches that he was connected to from his past, the first thing a lot of people said is, hey, where's the New Jersey tie? So what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with the point of if you can recruit, you can recruit. Um, you know, if if you're a, a good guy or someone that people flock to and, and you could sell the product, you, you could sell anywhere. Um, but in the state of New Jersey, it, it definitely helps to have people that that know the lay of the land that that can get into the places where, you know, you need to get to the, the hangouts and they know the people to talk to and the right things to say to them. And just Jersey people feel comfortable dealing with Jersey people. Um, and that's why this this Campanile hire was so big. No one's saying that he's going to bring in, you know, five stars right out the bat. But. You know, he's a coach that is well-respected in the state. He's from the the first football family of the state. Everyone has known the Campanile family uh, for years now. So he, he comes from that that lineage. Uh, obviously, he had great success, and he coached in maybe the most competitive league in the country at the school that was the state champion uh, this past year. So he's someone that, you know, he can get into doors. And it's not a matter of having to earn the respect of those coaches because they know who he was. Um, and Bill Bush did a really good job in that region. Uh, you know, he was getting it everywhere. But, you know, it's not the same comfort as a guy that they've known for 20 plus years coming in there. Someone they trust, you know, someone they know is going to straight shoot them. Uh, and, you know, just they'll feel comfortable having their kid there because one of their own guys will be in the building. When I've talked to Bobby about this in the past, you know, we've talked about Coach Mance, and you mentioned Coach Spittle before. 
working for the program right now in various capacities. And, you know, Bobby always points out that these guys can only do so much that it's up to the head coach to ultimately get the player to sign. You know, when you look at that comparison, you know, is it the assistant's coach's job? How important is it to get the coach, assistant coaches with the New Jersey ties? Or is it just coming down to the head coach not getting the signatures? What do you think? You know, it's 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 a combination. It's, you know, it's it's one whole um I think of like Voltron, I guess is, is the best way to put it. You know, everything needs to be connected for, you know, to have the, the full functionality. So obviously, uh the assistant coaches are the ones who are the most visible. They're they're on the ground, they're the ones that are going to the schools uh most frequently. Uh so they're essentially that that first face of your program. Uh and those are the guys that are, are gonna be the ones that are getting your kids on the campus. Uh but then, you know, once you get them on the campus, obviously the the head coach has to do his job to to sell the vision of the program uh and to make the those kids want to play and to close them out as we, as, you know, so to speak. Um, so, you know, it, it's definitely a team thing. I, I know a lot of people like to look at, um, they like to go back to the flood era when Nunzio's brother, Anthony was assistant coach crew in the area. Um, you know, Anthony and I are the same grade. We know a lot of same people. I know him well, you know, I like Anthony. And I, when he came in, I thought he could be a guy that could do well and, and they were getting the kids on campus and they weren't closing them. And I, I didn't really know why. Then you started to hear some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes in the program. And, you know, that was deterring a lot of people in, in the region that liked Anthony, but they just didn't like where the program was. Um, at least now under Coach Ash, things are a bit more stable. The, the program has a better direction. Um, and if Nunzio could have a similar effect getting kids on and, and getting people to believe in what Rutgers is doing, um, you know, then it'll be up to Coach Ass to really seal the deal and, and, and bring some of those guys home. Right. Are you night for life? He brings up the whole cancellation of the UCLA game, which was a hot topic on the message board recently. And I'm going to, he's a long post here, but he says, in general, do you think it's important for Rutgers to occasionally play games in recruiting hotbeds? Or do you think it's more beneficial to focus on the traditional Northeastern opponents? I actually think that's a great question because it could be great to go out and play games in Texas, play them in California, go down to Florida. But then again, as a fan of college football, I also enjoy those Northeastern rivalry games. What do you think? And which one do you think helps recruiting the most? It uh, it remains to be seen how heavily they will recruit California. Um, obviously, the McNulty hire, uh, Lester Herb, when he was at Nevada, spent a lot of time recruiting the state. So they, they have guys on the staff that have recruited in California. And obviously, they, they brought in a couple of guys from the state. But uh, I don't see California becoming that important of a state for Rutgers where they, they need to be there all the time. Uh, you know, so I don't think it hurts them not to play the UCLA game. It, it would have been a great game to see, uh, see Rutgers against that Chip Kelly coach offense, but it, it doesn't hurt them in California. I don't think they were selling, you know, recruits like, Hey, we're, we're going to play once in, in California and that's why you should come to Rutgers. Um, you know, so I don't think it changed anything for them from a recruiting perspective at all. Uh, you know, I know, I know coach ass has mentioned he didn't really like the Washington game and that agreement and having to fly out there, you know, the first game of the season with a new young team. And I think that was perspective here, um, especially as tough as the big 10 uh, East is, you know, do they really need to kill themselves outside of conference when, you know, in conference they're, they're facing four top 25 teams already. Um, so, you know, maybe it makes sense to get a closer trip, um, go head to head with a rival that you also see in the recruiting trail. And if you can handle those guys, it, it looks good in front of your local recruits that you guys are going head to head against without, you know, breaking your budget um, and breaking the rhythm of your team and traveling out there. Right. Well, 
KYK1827 takes us back to an earlier topic, and I'm just scrolling down the board here. Uh, he says, how many DTs do you think we take in the 19 class? Always the talk of the defensive tackles. How many would you take? I, I know KYK is big on defensive tackles. Um, one of our, our, our better our posters on the board, one of the most polarizing posters on the board. Uh you know, we, we think about this uh, particular class and obviously uh, I think Kevin Wilkins is getting ready to graduate. Um, I would say lost Sebastian Joseph um, in, in this past class. Uh, you know, number wise, I think three is, is an ideal number. They can get a good three. Uh, you know, they went after some guys in this last class. Um, you know, some of the guys that they landed are, are hybrid types. They can grow into defensive tackles, but they they don't have that size right now where you're not sure how they're going to project. Um, so I think three is a good number. Uh, they obviously have uh, Bordner, who grew into defensive tackle uh, from the class of 2017. And they have Duggan as well, uh, Julius Turner from the previous class. Uh, but with the exception of Turner, a lot of those guys haven't, haven't really played yet. Uh, so I think and games are one up front in the Big Ten. Obviously, Ash makes a big emphasis on the trenches. Obviously, AJ Blazik has done a really good job uh, building the offensive line, getting some some young depth in there in the classes. But they need to mimic that on the defensive side of the ball. So I think if they can get three really good defensive tackles in this class, I, I definitely could see that. And they may do, they may do more. We'll see what they do. All right. Well, Philip Vans has a couple questions here, and I know some of our listeners might say, "Oh, come on, it's signing day." Don't do a downer of a question, but I th- I think it's worth discussing. He says, which 2018 recruits and which Rutgers legitimately had a shot with do you think they'll regret most from either A, not closing the deal, B, passing on them? So basically, who are the big fish that got away? Huh, okay. So – And and also, I, I, I think I have to add, people who they had a chance to get, not someone, you know, a five-star recruit that they were never really in it with. I mean, I, I think that Rutgers had a, a, a really good chance. Uh, they were they were a legit contender for Tyler Friday, uh, you know, for, for most of the process until he decided to really narrow down his list. Uh, you know, they, they made him a priority. He was definitely listening. He was he was coming back to campus often. Um, and he, he saw that there was a, a need and he could play early, uh, you know, at Rutgers. You know, so he, it definitely was a, le- a legitimate shot. But, you know, obviously they – Team that performed that great this year, um, and you know he was being recruited by the likes of Ohio State, where he signed today, uh, Alabama, uh, UCLA, Miami, and Michigan. Um, that provided, uh, I guess, better opportunities in the sense to win faster versus what Rutgers could afford him. And I think that was the big thing, you know. And it, it takes a, a brave kid in New Jersey that is willing to want to, you know, go out there and try to rebuild the program. And, and some of these guys that have been playing these programs where they're, they're constantly winning, they don't want to make that sacrifice. Uh, so in, I think Friday, you know, made some vague mentions to that saying, you know, I know people were looking for me to be a savior, but I have to make my own decisions. So he's one. And uh, another guy I would put because he's a legacy is uh, Lance Ture at Irvington. Um, you know, a lot of people thought Lance was, you know, a no brainer to end up at Rutgers. You know, he was he was on campus quite a bit. I, uh, I remember seeing him at one of the summer camps and he had a Rutgers shirt on, a Rutgers hat. So, you know, a lot of people think oh, it was a no brainer, but. For whatever reason, he, you know, he spent some time in Georgia. It seemed like he wanted to go back a little uh, further south and, and, and North Carolina was able to to bring his, you know, bring him home and get his signature in December. That's another guy, defensive lineman, you know, could have grown to defensive tackle. Obviously, his brother Kamoko was getting ready to make a lot of money in the NFL. So those are, you know, two defensive linemen, I think, that Rutgers could have signed and maybe 
Lance fits closer because we're saying a relatively comparative school uh, versus Friday at Ohio State uh, for B uh, passing on them. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's just a one person, uh, but but Rutgers had, uh, you know, just a, a lot of defensive linemen uh, that came in for camps. Uh, you know, one guy, uh, Damar Faison, he's from North Carolina. He I believe was committed to Army. He looked really good uh, at some of the camps uh, that we saw this summer. Um, trying to think some. I don't know. No one really popping out, to be honest, um, in terms of guys that they passed on and signed with a, you know, a, a lower level school. I'd have to go back on that. But uh, the phase on kid kind of kind of sticks out in my mind to uh, fit in, into this particular category. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the last question. And some of you listening might say, hey, I posted a question. You didn't get to it. We will get to it. It's just we're hitting the end of our time tonight and we're going to do another signing day special coming up over the next few days. So the last question comes from Are You Partisan? He says, do you think with the early signing period, seeing the bulk of players signing, would it be wise of Ash or any other coach for that matter to hold a couple spots for February for some of the bigger fish that ended up being available or had their previous offers dry up as classes filled? Yeah, definitely. I think it would be. I think, um, you know, a lot of coaches, every coach in the country, this is the first time going through this early signing period. And, you know, everyone is going through it now. I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll debrief and say, you know what, um, you know, just look at back at the board and who was available um, in December. I mean, in January, 2018, that we thought we could have had a legit chance with, but we didn't have shots. You know, maybe we should, you know, just save a couple of scholarships if we can, but it, it's tough because if, if you evaluate guys and you like them and you have a chance to bring them in, then it's hard for, for a college not to sign them if, if you like a guy enough to want to bring him in the program. So it's a it's a catch twenty two. Um, you know, if you see a guy, you want him, you like him, uh, but then there's always going to be someone around that that's available uh, with a spot because that's the the nature of the beast. But I think I agree. It, it makes sense to you know if you have a guy that you're you're not fully confident about. You know, he may not have had a good senior year. He's been committed, or his his grades are wavering. You know, you're unsure. It, it may make sense to say, hey, we're we're not going to send you a letter of intent, and we're going to keep you know three to five scholarships available uh, for the uh, the original signing period to see what other guys uh, may emerge that may be available for whatever reason from other schools. All right, Sean. Well, thank you. And before we get going, I want to remind you once again, if you want to get a text every time big news breaks, especially commitments, we're heading into a new recruiting season. Fans keep telling us one of the best feelings is hearing that phone jingle in your pocket, looking down, and you have a text from us, and it's good news. If you want that, if you're into football, just text Football to 94253. That's Football to 94253. If basketball is your sport, Text RU Basketball to 94253. Also, RU Basketball to 94253. And on behalf of Sean, myself, and everyone at ScarletNation.com, we will see you next time.